As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday, not day before, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me as they do each and every week, even on vacation, Seth Partnow in Palm Springs. What's up, Seth? Uh, another lovely day here in Southern California. Why the hell do I live in Wisconsin? I don't know. Uh, Mo and I know what it's like out here. Mo DeKeel, what's up, Mo? What's up? And no, Cal- uh, Los Angeles and Southern California is closed. We are not taking any more visitors. <laughs> we are overcrowded. Uh, matter of fact, your 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 clock's ticking. Time to leave. <laughs> Sadly, yes. Being, being we're, we're coming to Milwaukee. Actually, is what's going to happen. Um, you know, a little bit more affordable, guys. We got to jump right in because we have too much to get to. It's our annual playoff preview. We got to sign the Western Conference this year. They're going to take the Eastern Conference on Slam and Jam on Saturday. And uh, I want to start with this play-in matchup. We just saw the Thunder handle the Pelicans last night. I I thought, wow, they played a hell of a game. And and even though they're so small, they did a good job uh, of uh, taking advantage of the non-Valanchunas minutes, which when you're looking ahead to Minnesota and you look at the size disparity, they're going to have to find a way to do the same against Minnesota. They're not, yeah. I don't want to say they're small. They're just not big because every, all their players are big, except they don't have a five. So they have five big dudes who are just like all six, seven, six, eight. So I think that presented a lot of problems for, uh, and for, for new Orleans. I think it will probably present some problems for Denver. It just, the problem is, Assuming they win, they don't have anyone at all to credibly guard Jokic, and that's going to be the series right there. Yeah, I mean, Jokic is going to probably pick them apart. I think the fun stuff would, if it's going to be OKC, is 
you know, Shea going at them and putting Jokic in the pick and roll on the other end, I think is really where it's going to get interesting is can they guard him? Giddy was really good in this game. I mean, posted a career high, which probably doesn't count because, you know, stats don't, this is the purgatory of stats uh, type of game. And I feel like this is, uh, it's going to, it would be a very interesting matchup for Denver in that sense. I almost feel like if they get Minnesota, it's more traditional. And probably works more in Denver's favor. Like that's an easier matchup for them. And because Denver is such a low IQ team, it probably plays more into Denver's hands than anybody else's. Well, you mean Minnesota's a low IQ team, not not Denver. Um, but yes. sorry, yes, Minnesota. Yeah, it would yeah, be dumb to like, call Denver a low yes, IQ team. So. I mean, Minnesota is a low IQ team, and Denver can pick them apart. Yeah, uh, we're recording very early. early. Yeah, it's very early compared to how we normally record. Go ahead. I kind of think so. Looking ahead, if we're going to look ahead for Denver, you know, at the eight seed on the head, say nice season like we do. Um, whoever they play in the second round between between the Clippers and Suns, I think that the that the Thunder are definitely like I think I would rather play the Thunder if I'm Denver because I think that's a better warm up because you're going to be facing yeah. similar challenges in the second round as you would against uh, OKC, but not really the same at all. Uh, as against, aside from a jump shooting big, but that's not really why Phoenix would beat you, right? Yeah. And so we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, the play-in doesn't happen until Friday night. So we don't know if the Nuggets are playing the Wolves or the Thunder. I do think that we expect them to beat either team. They should. Um, do you guys want to make a prediction here on the play-in? I mean, it, the Wolves' vibes are at an all-time low, and the Thunder just won a play-in game as the 10th seed. It feels like this is uh, set up for Minnesota to come away embarrassed, guys. I think this is, to be honest, I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction that can go into either playing game. This will be the first time a 10 seed. Or wait, no, Atlanta was a 10 seed, weren't they? No, Atlanta was the 8 seed. Last year? Oh, last year. They may have been. Oh, who remembers? This is, is the first so year, this is the first year a 10 seed has even won the, the 9-10 game, I believe. Thank you. Fair okay, enough. then so then they weren't a 10 seed. Um I, this is the first year I think one of these 10 seeds will move on and be the uh 8 seed in the playoffs. Either OKC or Chicago, one of them will win and and if not both of them, but there will be at least one 10 seed that will pull off the miracle upset and make their way into the playoffs. I think depending on on how much we can put into the performances of the of the teams that dropped down that lost the first game. Uh, I, I think that we would be almost surprised if the if the the, the higher seeded team won based on how Miami and Minnesota kind of played in the first game. So however much we want to read into that. Yeah, I mean, neither team's playing their best basketball, and it's the worst time to be playing <laughs> not your best basketball. For Minnesota, though, I to be fair to them, they were ravaged by some kind of stomach flu. And then they have suffered a rash of, I mean, you know, random injuries. Nas, Nas Reed breaks his wrist. Um, you know, Jaden McDaniels punches a wall and breaks his wrist. Self-inflicted. Yep. Self-inflicted injury Gobert, on that one. Gobert punches Kyle Anderson and somehow in the most awkward punch ever doesn't break his wrist, luckily for them. And I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a culmination of events and it just feels – like it's going to be done by, by the way, not to even mention Anthony Edwards got hurt in that game against the Lakers. You know, when, when he jumped up on that second jump to try to block a shot and fell on his shoulder, he hurt his thumb, his wrist and his shoulder. 
and essentially had to play decoy. I mean, he was awful, awful. But in hindsight, I mean, he was playing decoy hurt. I mean, you give him credit because he gutted it out. They didn't have anybody else who could come out there and do anything credible. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough luck for Minnesota, a, a team that we it was also thought we'd like to. It was also re- really shitty coaching oh. in the last six minutes of that game. I don't understand when you have Mike Connolly cooking, how Finch doesn't find ways to get him more involved. Maybe in the end of gameplay when you call a timeout, instead of having Kyle Anderson just dribble the ball into the backcourt and turn it over, maybe Mike Connolly should have been in the action. I don't know, but that was just dumb coaching in that last six minutes of that fourth quarter in overtime. To be, uh, well, I agree with what Bo said. To be fair, I don't think any coach in the world is telling Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards to catch the ball with the guy closing out on them and hold it for four seconds before doing anything. And that was, you know, yeah. the last six minutes, that was, you know, I, I, it wasn't even prevent offense. It was just like, I, I can't even describe it. Was just, offense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just like, I am, I'm not going to make a mistake. So I'm going to do something very deliberate. And by doing something very deliberate, you're just sabotaging the entire offensive flow. Yeah, it's the worst version of what we've complained about with the Celtics end of game, where they just slow down too much, trying to burn clock, and then they're getting into their actions just super late. And for Minnesota, they, they just were putting no pressure on the rim the entire second half of that game. There, the Thunder would welcome that. Please don't drive on us. They don't have bigs, right? Like, please don't drive on us. Please settle for jump shots. That's going to play right into their hands. So I, I think I'm with you guys. I think the Thunder can pick up this win, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it matters for for that team, but it doesn't matter for the bigger playoffs because the Nuggets are the Nuggets. They've been the best team in the West all year. They have the guy who could very well be the three-time reigning MVP uh, by the time you know the awards are handed out. And they're just going to be too much for either of these teams. Jamal Murray has looked fantastic. Michael Porter Jr. had one, I thought, one of his best seasons physically. Aaron Gordon was spectacular and, and a borderline legitimate all-star this year. His defense was super important for them. He got to be the Swiss Army knife on the other end for him. Um, the, the Nuggets are really good, and, and I think I might be ready to trust the Nuggets a little bit, guys. I could trust them at the first round. I mean, I think this is one of those things with the, the beauty of this, and, and and this is the best part for the Nuggets is, They've gotten a lot of time off. They're going to be really rested, ready to go. Hopefully that won't turn into a little bit of rust. We might see that early on. But, you know, for the most part, like, this is a rested team. I feel like they need to regroup. They kind of rolled into the playoffs a little bit. Doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but you just wish they looked a little bit better at times with some of that stuff. The It's still a little bit of a sour taste with how the season kind of ended in, in those games where they were trying, or I should put in quotes, trying. Um, but I think that is one of those things with them. I think I don't see a reason why this thing's this series is going to be more than five games. You know, I could see a team coming in and stealing one, um, not unlike Memphis stealing game one in Utah all those years. Like I could see OKC kind of coming in and riding the juice and, and, and getting a win in Denver, you know, right off the bat. But I don't think it's going to be anybody's. This isn't a series that's really going to threaten them. We, yeah. We've discussed it. OKC doesn't have the size. And honestly, Minnesota just doesn't have the smarts. Yeah, if the Nuggets don't get it done in five games, I, I think it's a big disappointment for them. Like, this this doesn't need to go six. Gentlemen sweep at at, at best. And really, they ought to sweep either team. They are, they are that much better 
Um, but I think anything more than five games, that's a failure in the first round for them. And, and it doesn't set them up necessarily all that well for the next round because, I mean, whoever it's going to be, whether it's, it's you know, Phoenix or the Clippers, that's going to be tough for them. I think it's going to be Phoenix. Um, you guys feel okay uh, moving on to the to the 2-7 matchup, which I, to me is just far more compelling. The Lakers came back. How much were they down against Minnesota? 15? Came back from down 15, 15 uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They showed some of that grit that they've shown all year long. This team fights, man. The Lakers, say what you will about them, but they fight, and their games have been very entertaining down the stretch as, as they've fought and clawed their way into that seven seed. They're in the playoffs somehow, <laughs> inexplicably. Uh, they completely overhauled their roster at the trade deadline. It's a balanced basketball team. And they're going to face a Memphis team that's got some questions right now, guys. No Steven Adams. No Brandon Clark. They're not getting the offensive rebounds, those second-chance opportunities that their offense relies on. How do you guys feel just right off the bat, Memphis, L.A.? I, I think, one, we have to talk about the fact I think the Lakers are getting Memphis at the perfect time to get Memphis with those guys injured, with the front court kind of depleted. You know, I feel like for the Lakers, this is actually a, a great opportunity for them to steal a series. Not just a game, not just make this extended series, to steal a series. I think what's fascinating about that is they're probably deeper in the front court than Memphis, and Memphis is just way better in the back court than them. And I think that's really where the challenge comes is, you know, which which positions are really going to win their battles and who's going to go completely nuts in that. I think that's I think this is a really an interesting series. And I hate to do it because everybody's always like, oh, the Lakers can win the championship, and we always roll our eyes. This is a series the Lakers can win. This is a lot closer than people realize, I think. And, you know, a couple of things break their way. This works out for them. At Memphis, if they were fully healthy, the series is over. I don't think this is a, a series the Lakers can win. But now depleted without Steven Adams, without Clark, it's a problem for them. And I think this is really concerning. So I think that the the it's funny that the top two seeds in the West, I think, are being slept on a little bit in terms of, of I think people are are being a little overly dismissive in general of the Nuggets and Grizzlies. And while I don't disagree with anything that that Mo said, um, the Lakers came back from 15, but they had a lot of help. And I think I think that needs to be acknowledged because I think, you know, it was a stirring comeback, but it was a poorly played game. That for, and, and I think we need to acknowledge that. Um, in terms of this matchup, um, stop me if you've heard this before, but uh, Jaron Jackson's ability to stay out of foul trouble is going to be a pretty key game-to-game determinant of this. I think if he's in the game, I kind of wonder like about the Lakers' ability to generate offense because if they're going to have a lineup on the floor that can guard at all, they don't have enough shooting. And if they have a lineup that can shoot, then you have like D'Angelo Russell guarding John Morant. And I I think everyone knows exactly how that's how that's going to turn out. Yeah, if they don't, if they have a non-shooter, so Jared Vanderbilt, if he's out there, Jaron Jackson is going to guard him, and he's going to get to roam, and he's one of the best roamers in the league. I mean, he really this season, I think, just dominated in that role when when given the opportunity. So the Lakers are going to have to shuffle their lineup a little bit because I don't know how they guard without Vanderbilt. 
So let, let's talk this out a little bit. If Memphis wins, what does it look like, guys? Like, how do they win? Is it just John Morant getting penetration? It's John Morant getting penetration. Is Desmond Bain killing it on the second side when it gets swung to him? It's Dylan Brooks not taking dumbass shots. It's across the board, you know, just a, a concentrated effort there. And defensively, them kind of just cobbling enough together, you know, and 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 finding a way of, hey, we'll let AD get his, but we're not going to let LeBron go nuts or whatnot. I think that's that's something that's really important to really kind of look at in this series with all of that, because you know, Dylan Brooks will will hound guys defensively. He'll probably be on LeBron. I don't know if that's as great a matchup as people will think. I think LeBron can be a bit of a, a bull when he wants to be, but the key word is wants to be. I think this stuff will get interesting and there's a lot of tension in this, in in this, this is kind of a rivalry series. Like there's a lot of that. I mean, a lot of funny, a lot of our rivalry series involve Memphis because there's just been such an, so annoying. They went from being fun to being annoying to a degree that it's been an issue. And I think this is something we're, we're watching for, but for Memphis, if their guards perform, make shots and really don't get crushed defensively, I think they win this series easily. I think the depletion of Memphis's front court is a little bit of a double-edged sword in that it's going to mean that Jaron Jackson plays almost exclusively at the five. And I think that actually will serve to compromise LA's defense a little bit. Um, unless you're going to have like Vanderbilt guard him and then you have Vanderbilt on offense. But if, but if they're, if they're run, you know, pick and pop that pulls AD away from the basket and without AD around the basket, like there is very little resistance at the rim. Uh, from the rest of the Lakers, and that obviously plays into to John Morant's hands uh, above all. And that you know that they, him being able to get to the rim, being challenged by you know Austin Reeves and 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 you know thirty eight year old LeBron and whoever else, I think that is a recipe for uh, uh, success for Memphis offensively. Well, what does it look like to you guys if the Lakers happen to pull this off? It, it's going to be seven. If the Lakers win, I think it, it's got to go longer unless, you know, obviously injuries aside, I think if the Lakers are going to win, it's going to be a, a rock fight, which is kind of what they've been doing well, which is part of why their games have been so entertaining. Uh, again, this is I understand this is not conventional basketball take that ugly basketball can be fun to watch, but I like a struggle and, and the Lakers have shown fight all year. LeBron James, when it comes to playoff time, the guy knows how to win basketball games from a just functional standpoint. He knows how to captain the ship. I have a hard time going against LeBron, especially in a first-round series. The talent disparity, I there is one, obviously. I mean, you know, when you get when you get past LeBron and AD, there's a sharp decline in, in talent. Um and Memphis. I can't believe you got, would forget Austin Reeves and that that trio. When you get past LeBron and AD, there is a massive drop in talent. And when and with Minnesota, they just have a lot of guys who, who can really play and really fly, too. That's the other thing. The energy that they have. They have a lot of guys. Santi Aldama can come off the bench and just fly around. John Contra, they, they just have all of these guys that you can trust to go out and do stuff. And the Lakers don't. But they have LeBron and they have AD. And so... I give them a shot. Um, so what does a win they, for the Lakers look like? They win this series if AD's MVP AD throughout the entire series. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Can Anthony Davis 
really just blow up and the way the way continue to play the way he did down the stretch that really got the Lakers into the playing tournament. Remember, they started this whole thing and LeBron was hurt and they were 13th in the standings, you know, and they, they had a shot even to get out of the playing tournament in general. I think there's an interesting opportunity for them. This is a moment for AD right here to like really kind of put his uh just step up to the table and really kind of step up to in a way that carries the Lakers. Cause I think it's gotta be him. LeBron's great. LeBron's also in his 20th year. You saw it in that game against Minnesota. He gets tired quicker. He can't carry the team for an entire game, let alone an entire series. This one goes on 80s back. They win this 80 is just by far the best player on the court throughout the entire series. As, as Dave said, it's a if LA wins. It's a grimy series. Seems kind of weird to say that the uh, <laughs> yeah. that the grittier the series is, advantage LA over Memphis. Uh, but I think that the Skid Row I, Lakers. Is yeah, what, and, what and we're I, think that, I, I think that I think that. Oh, we shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> <laughs> that that ties into kind of what Mo said. Like, if it's that kind of grimy series, then and they're going to win. That means Anthony Davis has been just the physically dominant force in this series, and we know he has that in him. Does he have that in him for 38 minutes a night for seven games? Might be 40 minutes a night, to be honest with you. And I think there's a couple of things that for the Lakers, the most important thing is they need to get the the Grizzlies playing in the half court. The Grizzlies are not a very good half court offense team. They're not. And that's actually where you get some of these questionable shots that come across the board and things like that. It's very jaw dependent, which yeah, as it should be. And then, you know, Bane on the weak side. But in general, like, it's not a great half-court offense. There's not a lot of layers to what they're trying to do offensively. I think the other side of it, and the other thing, it's kind of an advantage for the Lakers that nobody's discussed. The schedule for the first three games works out perfectly for them. There's two days off in between games. They play game one on Sunday. They played on Tuesday. So that's actually a lot of rest for LeBron, including whatever, a travel day. It's three-hour flight to Memphis. Boom deal with it but that's a lot of rest they play sunday i believe they play wednesday and then they play saturday it's a lot of time off and that opens up a lot of doors to get lebron a little rested and you can get some bounce from lebron early in the series there and i think that's important if they could steal a game in in memphis this thing is going to be interesting does john morant need to make threes for memphis to win because i do think that the lakers are gonna they're gonna make him prove it that he can hit shots well, so is everybody else. I think Ja, I think Ja Morant needs to get to the rim. He needs to be a terrorist at the rim. And and by doing that, sucking in the defense and, and forcing guys to have to really kind of move around and, and and scramble in that sense. I think that's the 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 game there. I think Ja has to really get into the paint more than shoot the threes. And and you know, they're they're gonna leave him open, they're gonna give him those opportunities, but we've also seen a lot of teams do that. And I think it's uh very hard considering how fast that freaking kid is. <laughs> who who guards Jaw in this series? That's what's the, the, what's the matter? Jared Vanderbilt. I think Jared Vanderbilt probably starts on him. If I if I had to guess, that's that's been their mo uh, for since he's gotten there. Put him on the the opposing team's you know point guard or best player. Force them to. Ba- I mean, Jared Vanderbilt is, is a a beautiful defender. The guy f- just forces you away from what you want to do. Um, and, and if you think about a jaw and Jaron pick and roll, pick and pop, and you've got Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis, I trust those guys to guard it. But I think the issue comes with your, again, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul when, when you play Vanderbilt, 
you're boosting your defense and, and you're making your defense much better, but it's going to hurt your offense. They're going to dare him to shoot. They're not going to guard him. Jaron Jackson's going to be floating around, not worried about Vanderbilt at all. And Vanderbilt can make him pay if he if he cuts back door because there are times Memphis can sometimes fall asleep ball watching. And, and Mo, we talked about this a lot with, with Memphis. When they're locked in, they're they're great, but they get a little, they get a little bit front runnery. And when things are going well for them in, in transition, you can see a little bit of that show up on defense. Never for Jaron, though. So um that that's the thing that the Lakers really have to contend with. I'm going to push back a little bit in that I don't think Jared, I don't think Jared Vanderbilt has a prayer of staying in front of, of Morant. I don't think he he navigates screens especially well if they want to go that way. And if they just even if they just spread the floor, have job back up to half court and get a running start, I don't think I don't think Vanderbilt like I, I think unless he's allowed to be extremely handsy, kind of where they kind of meet each other. I just don't think that 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 he like Morant is faster and more slippery than than pretty much anyone else in the league, and, and I, I don't think man, I don't. Well, I, the theory of it, I understand. I just the actuality, I don't think will work that way. I I think if if that's the case, Seth, I think then it just comes down to, all right, screw it, we can't guard him, guard the hell out of everybody else. And I think that's really then what it comes down to, and that's where it's like we're gonna let Ja get his. He's gonna average thirty eight this series. It's sort everybody of, else is going to average 10 and that's, I think, or whatever. And I think that's, that might be the actual strategy. Cause you've been in coaches, you've been in meetings. I've been in coaches meetings where we walked in going like, well, can't stop we have guy. no answer yeah. for that. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> like the options are not good. So, you know, and then you, so, so then you pivot. And I think that might be the, the pivot we do. I know we got to move on Dave. So, I oh, think no, no, no. Well, no. And oh, they oh. are going to relentlessly attack jaw on offense that is that is going to happen like we know that the switch has been flipped to playoff time and it's all about the weakest matchup the, who's the weakest guy on the court we're gonna find him we're gonna go at him and ja is one of the weaker defenders in the league much less in this series and i think we're gonna see a lot of it, it, this is where i hope the the grizzlies don't soft switch and don't give it up like Josh ja should just try to fight and and avoid these switches uh, because when Ja gets switched on to LeBron James, that that feels like LeBron's going to go to the line a lot, guys. Yeah, I mean, this could be. This is one of those instances where we're going to see Ja. Can he defend? He can't be a nothing on defense. He can't be a negative on defense. He's got to give a little more effort. He's got to avoid switches. And I think that's going to be an interesting one for how they kind of handle that when they come at him, because that's exactly who they're going to come at. And then when Luke Kennard's on the court, they're going to go at Luke Kennard. I feel like there's going to be a lot of different ways they're going to attack this team. And I think it'll be it's it, this isn't a sweep to me. You know, like Memphis can win this in five. I can see this going seven. Like this could be a real battle like this can get ugly pretty quick. I, it's funny the way we're describing how they're going to deal with Ja. Like Luka Doncic isn't in the playoffs, but the Luka rules are like make him like you know basically body blows for seven games, and he's going to hope he wears down. And I think that I think that's a a very credible strategy in this case. For as you say, Dave, like make him work a ton on defense, and if he's going to have to get to the rim twenty five times a game, okay, for one game, for two games, how how do the legs feel game five? Well, this is where the Grizzlies youth and guess what? They get the same rest that the Lakers get. So that yeah. could also help them out quite a bit too. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Let's move on to the juiciest first-round matchup, guys. The Sacramento Kings hosting. They're the, they're the home court team in a series against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the key to this series, guys, is that the Sacramento Kings have the best offense in NBA history. And the Golden State Warriors have played like doo-doo on the road, and they've got to go into Sacramento and deal with that crowd and summon their defense, and uh, I absolutely believe in the Warriors. I want to. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, like, the the Warriors are going to have some putting lineups on the floor that work challenges. Uh, The Warriors are going to have to be very dependent on Kevon Looney being able to stay on the floor. Um, I think that, you know, you can't like whatever you want to say about Demonis Sabonis, you can't guard him with a small like Draymond can guard him. Sure. But you can't guard him with a small because he's one of the strongest players in the league and he'll just put smaller guys in the basket. So it's got to be Looney. It's got to be Draymond. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's a, that that's a, a worry point for, for Golden State in, in terms of their lack of depth in terms of, of beef. Um, the, the other side is like Sacramento is good enough offensively that can Golden State play Curry, Poole, Thompson lineups and not just get completely lit up on the other end. Can they get away with that? That's something that in, you know, some series last year, there were some hiders on the other end, like, you know, Denver in the first round without, you know, any perimeter guys. Okay. Jordan Poole has to guard Austin Rivers. Okay. Um, that's not going to be the case against this against this Sacramento team. So I think that there's some real some real lineup challenges. And that's before we get into the issue of of you know reintegrating Andrew Wiggins back into you know in a playoff setting. They've been playing without him for what two months, and and that's gonna be that's gonna be at least odd, isn't it? Yeah, I mean we I mean Seth, we fell on this trap last year. Last year they had a guy who who didn't play until the playoffs and then we 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 fell into that trap. Um I think it's a little bit different with Wiggins and Steph Curry, but I think the scenario there is I think Wiggins will be fine cuz they don't need him to do that much. And this is kind of a series where he can listen, he's got a tough assignment defensively, but he doesn't have to carry a a, a load offensively. And things like that. I think that's one of those things they can kind of ease him into it with what they're going. Listen, Sacramento's had the most amazing offense all season. And it's what we talk about every time we get in the playoffs. In the playoffs, it gets very difficult. Golden State has watched 
several hours of film at this point of their of Sacramento's offense. They've decided where they want to attack, how they're going to attack it defensively, and things like that. The real question for Sacramento is what's plan B, what's plan C? Because they're going to take away plan A, and that's what the playoffs is. What's your backup plans? That's why I always value offensive versatility. Their game is so heavy DHO dependent. What happens when those catches get pushed out above the three-point line? Because that's going to happen. They're going to have games where they blow up offensively. They're going to have runs offensively. But this game right now is how does Sacramento counter one Golden State's defense step up, steps up and takes away stuff that they want to do? And I don't know if I have the answer for that. And I'll be very curious to see what, what Sacramento does in that instance. Well, let's start with what it looks like in a Warriors win, right? Like, I mean, if the Warriors win, I like the Warriors could win this in five. They're the champs. And if they're at full health, which it seems like that they are, um, I, I think they could they they should be the better team. This is a team that is better than its record for sure. They had a really weird season, but they could win this in five games if they just go out and play like the Warriors. If they if they defend at, at a top five level and they have a top five sort of offense. I, I think that this series is actually easy for them because I don't think the Kings can defend the Warriors the way that the Warriors are capable of defending the Kings. I just don't think the Kings have a defensive ceiling like the Warriors have. When everything's locked in, you get Andrew Wiggins back, Gary Payton is back and, and reintegrated into what they do. Everyone's kind of been bumped down a spot. And you mentioned, can you play Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson? May not have to. This might be a huge Dante DiVincenzo series, actually, because what he's done for them offensively, plug and play, and then he brings it on the defensive end. So what does a Warriors win look like to you guys? Well, I think just they cruise offensively. I think the you touched on it with Sacramento's defense. Just Sacramento's def inability to get consecutive stops is what worries me a ton in, in playoff series and things like that. Just And it's more just eye test because I don't have the numbers. Thanks, because nobody ever listens to me and gives me the kill stats that I want. Um, but the uh, just the pure fact of, like, I watched this, their game against Milwaukee uh, a couple, I think it was in March, and they were winning most of that game. And then Milwaukee at the end turned it on offensively, and Sacramento couldn't get consecutive stops. They couldn't string stops together, and that's such a weakness for them in that scenario. They have such a high-octane offense, but if you give it all back on defense, what's the point? And I think that's really where the challenge lies for them with what they do. And Golden State takes advantage of that and steps up defensively. I think this is a uh, uh, not as close a series. This is one of those series where we're going to call it an upset just because it's 3-6, but I don't think it's going to feel like one. I think everybody's picking the Warriors. Seth, you feel about the same? Yeah, I think that that Sacramento's defense. I've all year. I think their defense has been a little bit better than their from a structural standpoint than their underlying numbers. Unfortunately, the kind of they've 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 kind of been hit by the opponent shot making stick. Unfortunately, look who they're playing against. So it, it like they, 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 you know, not to look ahead. If they are able to win and then play Memphis in the second round, that's a much better matchup for what their defense kind of allows slash forces teams into. Um, so that's, that. that's, you know, like, as, as Mo said, like, I, I am not as sure that the Warriors are going to be able to, you know, get Sacramento out of their stuff. I just might not matter because the Warriors might put up 125 offensive rating for the series. Yeah. Reintegrating Andrew Wiggins will be pretty easy compared to Steph Curry last year. And a lot of that, I think is Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson, 
has just been so good. And especially the second half of the season, he just looks healthy. So it's a little bit less demand on Wiggins for this playoff run. In my opinion, they won't need him to create as much. They won't need his shooting as much. So, you know, when, when we're worried about Wiggins kind of working his way back in, I think they've got a little bit of a buffer that they didn't have last season because of Clay Thompson and, and how good he's been. Uh, Seth just disappeared on us. I, I think he's going to come back. Uh, Mo, what is it? He might have just took a dip in the pool. I, I mean, he might have gotten too yeah. hot and he took a is dip in the pool. <laughs> he's on vacation. Uh, so, Mo, what does a Kings win look like? I mean, is it just this, the matter of Warriors offense gets a little clunky and, and they just can't figure out how to defend? Yeah, I think the uh, starting point for the Kings is they're the Warriors are not able to stop them offensively. And I think that's a big part of it. And the other side of it is they get up and down a lot. They push the tempo in terms of pushing the pace. De'Aaron Fox, yo, John Morant might be the fastest player in the league, but De'Aaron Fox is right behind him. It's like the Flash racing uh, the other Flash. I don't know. I don't know my comic book DC stuff. Um, A-Train. Uh, anyways, A-Train, thank you. Um, but the uh, I think it's along those lines of, of that. And I think that's kind of – he's super quick. Can they push the pace and really fly up the courts? I think that's going to be the thing that matters the most. It's going to be if they can get control of the tempo of the game and play at a much faster pace, it plays in their favor. And it allows them to not have to play against a set defense, really attack and get a lot of easy buckets. That's how I think Sacramento wins this series is by playing faster, which is something we always talk about in the playoffs. You can't play fast. They're going to try to prove you can. And I mean, that's the get, take advantage of their youth, too. I don't think I do not think that, you know, Golden State's main guys want to spurt up and down the court for 48 minutes. Um, I think they, they can play that way in spurts, but I don't think they want to play that way for 48 minutes. The, the other thing I would say for Sacramento is you, you were talking about them being able to put uh, Golden State being able to push the DHO game out past the three point line. You're 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 shoving Demonis Sabonis off the off the elbow. That that's happening. That's something well, they're that, going to pick them up so early. I, I just think that they're going to pick those guys yeah. up at the three point line. Yeah, I just I mean, yeah, but, like, not, like, but Sabonis can like I think that that's, you know, I think that Sacramento is you're right. At times they will be able to. But I think Sacramento is going to part of the reason why that action is so hard to guard is Sabonis can get where he wants to go because. Big, strong man. I mean, yeah, the Warriors are also going to make like, the Warriors are also <laughs> going to force him to go right. They're going to force him to shoot right. And that's going to be a, a thing. I mean, the playoffs, we know the playoffs are just a different beast. The guys go harder and they are more hyper focused on the scouting report. And I think, you know, Sabonis is a guy who, yeah, he's got a lot of strengths. I, I have him third team all NBA center. Um, he had a great year, but. The Warriors are going to go after your weaknesses, and that's all you're going to have left. So can he score going right? Can he pass going right? You know, can he make the same read dribbling off of with his right hand and, and getting at the basket? So those are the questions I want to see, you know, in game one, I want to see him answered because that's what they're going to play. Um, that being said, I think it's a huge Malik Monk series. You know, you mentioned Jordan Poole. Well, Malik Monk's going to be out there a lot of the time that Jordan Poole is, and he's going to attack Jordan Poole. I mean, Malik Monk could go for 30 a game in this series. I could see that happening very easily. He is just super – I mean, he's like TNT and just ready to explode at any time. And the Warriors bench, 
that defense is not that's not the defense that we're used to seeing out of the Warriors. So, you know, Draymond, I, I want to see what his minutes look like, how much time they can get him out there with the bench. You mentioned the Warriors' lack of, of size and how you know they need Looney because of Sabonis. They just don't have anybody else beyond Looney and Draymond. So, you know, if they're gonna match up with with Sabonis and some of the size that that the Kings can put in the interior. I mean, Alex Len is fine, right? Like he's not a great player, but he's big. You can't teach big. So I, I just wonder if that interior size is going to bother the Warriors. They're just so small. I'm I'm probably not as concerned about it because I think it's just going to be a, a Looney and Draymond kind of rotating on Sabonis in, in that instance. And I think, you know, Kerr will probably stagger those guys a bit take one out early, have the other guy guard Sabonis and kind of keep rotating him in. Foul trouble can be a concern with those in that in that instance with, with everything that they have. But I also think, listen, we didn't talk about much, but Jonathan Kaminga is really important for this team, for the Warriors, defensively, and what he can do. And I think, you know, put him in on, on Fox. Have him chase Fox around for a while. And, and, and the, that, that length really makes up for some of the speed def- deficiency there. He's quick and athletic, and and that long-ass arm is going to get in there and get in between the dribble handoffs and things like that. I think that's a really, really important player for the Warriors in this series is Jonathan Kaminga, and it's mainly on the defensive end. And if he can kind of be a, an important factor on that end and really matter and, and muck things up, it's it gets difficult then. Yeah, he's also instance. big. but that, He's also big and can yeah, lean. Yeah, but that's a and- guy – But. I, I was just about to say that's a guy Sabonis will push around though. Oh yeah. That's a guy I would be careful about putting on Sabonis. Yeah, but I like him on Fox. I like that idea. Cause he can actually put pressure like just, just again, by being big using his body, you know, if he gets into Fox's hips, it's going to be hard for him to turn a corner. I like that. Mo. No, this is uh, I'm glad we got onto Fox because we're making a short list of the guys with the most to prove this playoffs. And it's, you know, of guys we'll talk about today, it's Nikola Jokic, obviously, Joel Embiid in, in the East. I think Darren Fox has to be on that list somewhere. And this is going to be a really interesting challenge for him in his first playoff because of, of the, how many different guys that um, types of guys that Golden State can throw at him. They can, you know, you can put DiVincenzo. Gary Payton has been, has had great success last year as kind of, kind of a, a ball hawking guard. You go a little bit more size with Clay Thompson at times. And then, as you say, go even bigger with with Kamingo or even Draymond Green. Just a lot of different looks that that Fox is going to be shown and, and have to kind of navigate to really. This is his first chance to really show. You know, is he just a just a pretty good player, or is he kind of that next level up? And they're going to make him shoot. Also, they are going to make him prove that he can hit open shots. They are not. I mean, th- that's the story of the Warriors is pretty disrespectful when it comes to guys who maybe are iffy from deep. So I, I think he's going to have to hit some shots in order for them to win this, but that, that I cannot wait for that series. That series is going to be electric. It, it is going to be so much fun. I hope Fox has a huge series, even if they don't win, I, I'd like to see him kind of go off. He, you know, not a lot of players in the league that are more fun to watch and especially just, he's so damn fast. He's, I mean, it's just incredibly fast. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. 
Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Okay, um, last series, but not least. The Clippers and the Suns, the 4-5 matchup. The Clippers, a team that doesn't know each other. They're strangers. They, they literally do not practice. They barely play together. But Kawhi Leonard has been nuts the second half of the season. He looks like Kawhi Leonard that we all think about when we hear the name Kawhi Leonard. And the Suns, well, they have Kevin Durant who's playing like an MVP. He shot 62% on twos this year, guys, mostly jumpers. 55-40-90 shooting splits for the season. He's the first guy ever to do it. Um, they obviously have Devin Booker. They have Chris Paul. They have DeAndre Ayton. They have four guys that can just demolish you in the mid-range. Do the Clippers have any chance whatsoever against the Suns? I, I, yeah, I don't yes. think there's a reason. I, I mean, like what, when we look at the Suns, you know, they're, they're playing four on five. We, I mean, their fifth guy is always going to be a question for them. And then it gets even worse when you look at the rest of their bench, you know, like the one thing we could say about the Clippers is they're pretty deep. You know, they got, they got guys down the line on that roster that can help them in this series. I think the Clippers definitely have a chance. I think it comes down to can Kawhi play like Kawhi that we, we we know he can and Russ control himself, which to be honest, we don't think he can. Um, and I think that becomes an issue there. And then, you know, after that, it's, it's, it's a big, a lot of questions for everybody else. Zubach versus eight. And I think that's a hell of a matchup. That's a, that's a, that's a, and I might even favor the Clippers with that because I love Zubach so much. He's just such a quiet killer. And the way he plays, I think, you know, you, you're going to need big games from, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, uh, you're going to need Nicholas Batum to do all the little things that he does. I mean, the margin of error is slimmer for the Clippers, but they definitely have a shot. I mean, they got Kawhi, and Kawhi can really just shut down a dude. He still can defensively, and he can drop 30. Could I read off Kawhi's stat line for the last two months of the season? Please do. No. No, Does anybody do. ever say no? <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 27 points, seven rebounds, four assists, steal and a half. Uh, shooting 53% from the floor, including 47.4 on threes and 88 from the line. Like, he's close back. your eye. Yeah, that's he's just the number of games where you look up and he's like, oh, he's gotten he's got 36 points on, you know, 36 points on, on 20 shot attempts. It, just the, the level of dominance that, that he's shown at times, you know, can they win? Like before we get into anything else, like they have best player in the series equity. You know, I guess the team with Kevin Durant, they have best player in the series equity. So that is just before we get to anything else, we need to acknowledge that, that, that it, it might be as simple as which one of these guys outduels each other in KD and, and Kawhi. 
All right. Well, I mean, uh, do, let me ask you guys this I, before we get to how they win. Do you guys have any chemistry concerns about the Suns? They haven't had a lot of time together. They they haven't lost with, with Kevin Durant. I mean, you know, he's amazing. And and Mo, you did one Mo thing where you laid out uh, how much success they've had with certain actions because he is so plug and play. But like, do you worry about chemistry issues in the playoffs with them? I, wor- I worry about it defensively, mm-hmm. knowing when to rotate, knowing when not to, where the, where it's coming from, and and things like that and the situations you get put into that I don't worry about that with the Clippers because I don't think the Clippers put you in a ton of bad situations it's going to be Kawhi in the post it's going to be Kawhi on a pick and roll with no Paul George that's really what it's going to come down to it's going to be Russ pushing the tempo and that's really kind of it from there and it's a lot of one-on-one isolation stuff that the Clippers run offensively so I don't really worry about it in this series but I'm going to push back a little bit on the chemistry stuff because you started this whole thing with like the Clippers don't even know each other this is the no chemistry game no chemistry series kind of deal right like this is you know how much time have the Clippers really had with this group without PG compared to the Suns with Kevin Durant like there's a little bit of that and I think it's not a uh uh I think this series is probably going to come down to individual talents more than team. And I think it's going to be really kind of fascinating. I think Seth was whichever superstar can be more superstarish is going to be the, I think really one of the deciding factors in this series. All right. Well, so is we it, is talk, and we haven't even mentioned Devin Booker. I, know. We're, 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 I mean, that's really the question now for the, the Clippers is who guards Devin Booker. Cause Kawhi is probably going to take Kevin Durant. Who's guarding book. I mean, Russ is probably taking CP. You're probably going to put Batum on Booker, which is good, but like that's more Terrence Man, more Terrence Man, more Terrence Man. That's more Terrence exactly Man. what they need. And and well, and we'll find out if he can do it. So a Clipper, a Clipper series win looks like Kawhi Leonard 35 a night, Zubach 20 and 15, something like that, and and they win. Do you guys feel like they? I mean, is this a this is a seven game series to you guys, regardless, or, or do you think that the, this, I think the Suns have a higher ceiling than the Clippers because they just have room to grow. And again, Devin Booker is incredible. And we're just now getting to talk about him. Um, but Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi. I mean, he, that guy, when he's healthy, he was at one point, if not the best player in the league, definitely one of the top three or four. And uh, he's starting to look like that guy again. So it's hard to, to count him out. So for the Clippers, like is a win, just Kawhi goes for 35 every night. They find a way to keep KD under 30 and they just grind it out for six or seven games. I mean, this is going to be a long series. I think this is going to be challenging. I think it's, it's what you said. I think, I don't know if Zubac can do the 20 points. But if they can get an assortment of guys going off and Norman Powell having a big night, you know, in, in, in a game or two, like it's going to be for the Clippers. It's going to be who's that random guy that's going to have a big night tonight. Terrence Mann some nights like that's You know, are, are, you're going to get a good rust game somewhere in there. Hopefully that's what the Clippers are banking on. You got to you got to hope that works out. And Russ, to, to his credit, has been very good for them. And I think he's he's mattered for them. I think it makes a difference because Paul George is out that he is that kind of guy that can have the ball more in his hands and push and and attack a little bit more and be more Russ. I think that's going to be an important factor too. It's This one's going to be interesting. I still have the Suns kind of winning this in six. I don't think this will be a seven-game series. I just think at the end of the day, it becomes challenging with how do you 
I just think KD's too damn good. And I think you have a, a, a Booker getting your second best defender is really a problem. I have no idea about the series. I don't, I don't feel like we know anything about either of these teams. I mean, we mentioned that, that Phoenix hasn't lost with KD playing. Do you know how many top six seeds they've played in those games? Oh, no. Zero, right? Uh, well, one. no, two. <clears throat> Denver twice, but Denver sat all their guys both games. So they've they've played a couple of play-in teams, but other than that, they've beaten lottery teams, which is good. You beat the guys who are in front of you, but it's a different challenge. Um, so, yeah, I, I again, it, it, all the, the the indicators are positive for both teams, but how much do you read into any of them? And we're just gonna have to see it. I think I'm with Mo that I lean Phoenix, but I would not be surprised by in, by anything between a five-game win for Phoenix to a five-game win for for L.A. Do the Clippers have enough shooting? Uh, yeah. That's the tough part. I mean, it's it's what it is is it's kind of just some streaky shooters, right? And that's one of those things. Like, they have guys that have reputations as shooters and guys that can score. Um, but it is really up and down with them. And I think that's kind of my question with them. And you know, it's it's this this really is the no chemistry series. They played 30 starting lineups this year for the Clippers alone. I mean, like that's that's a tough, tough thing to settle. You guys worry Phoenix, about the Suns' depth? I do. I worry about their depth and also just the, the, the again to get back to what Mo said, like how much does the shooting, the Clippers shooting matter if the Suns can't get weird on Kawhi, either because of personnel or they just haven't develop the chemistry to be able to execute kind of, you know, any kind of uh, trapping, run and jump, junk, junky defense kind of stuff, which I don't think Monty Williams does a ton of anyway. Um, so while you, well, it, it, as, as Mo was saying, the reputation of guys as shooters might be enough to give Kawhi the room he needs to, to, you know, win the series largely single-handedly offensively. What does the Suns win look like? Is it just KD 30, Booker 30? You know, is it just, okay, these guys are just going to hit every shot? It's Chris Paul hitting threes. Because that's who you're going to leave. And that's who they're going to attack defensively. But that's, it's it's Chris Paul that needs to hit threes. That's that's honestly what it's going to come down to. Um, and really, and, and the other guys will matter. Torrey Craig, Terrence Ross, Josh Kogi, those guys have to be big. Um, I think, like I said earlier, DeAndre and Zubach is probably more of a wash than we want to admit. It's going to come down to they're going to leave Chris Paul to go double KD and, and Booker. It's can Chris make them pay for that? And that's going to be a very important aspect for them in this series because I think Booker and KD will get theirs. They're too damn good. I'm glad you brought up Aiton and, and Zubach again because I think if we get the Aiton we saw for most of the uh, 2021 playoffs, I think the series is a is a pretty easy Phoenix win, um, in part because I, L.A. doesn't have a lot of other options there, uh, give or take a plumway, um, <laughs> and they want to like L.A. probably wants to get to play small, but if Aiton is being aggressive and pounding the offensive glass and getting to the rim and playing with that force that we saw him play through two games of the finals, basically in twenty one. Um, I think that almost takes that card off the table for LA, and it's just a huge swing in um, 
Uh, because Phoenix is going to have to, the Phoenix can't play small because they've got four dudes. So if, but so if he kind of takes the small ball card off the table or makes it um, unpalatable for the Clippers to play, uh, I think that's a huge advantage for, for the Suns. Uh, any final thoughts on the Western Conference playoffs, guys, or the first round at least? I think if you're Denver, you're probably hoping it's the uh, Clippers versus the uh, Clippers beating the Suns. I think you'd rather play the Clippers <laughs> yeah. in the second round than the They own the Clippers. They really right. have. And for the Clippers, it'll be a shot at redemption. I'm so damn excited for the West playoffs. Like, just understand, even what we might possibly get in the second round is pretty insane. Like, let's just put it this way. If Memphis beats the Lakers and the Warriors beat the Kings, we get Memphis Warriors. If the Warriors beat the Kings and the Lakers beat Memphis, we get Lakers Warriors. Like that's something that's been building for a long time in the Dave, you're new here. It's the NorCal SoCal rivalry. Like that's <laughs> just a fun little d- ditty right there. Denver versus Phoenix in the second round could be absolutely insane. Like there's a lot of fun stuff that's potentially going to happen. And I'm sorry. I did kind of just dismiss the Kings there. Oh, well, what if bit. we get Kings Lakers? It's the Kings to the, the conference old, finals. Old school, old school rivalry, old school rivalry though. You know, Dude, the, re- Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers have one. Tim Donaghy sit on celebrity row. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. Before <laughs> we go, before we go, what are the odds Dylan Brooks is wearing that sweater that Shannon Sharp wore to that, that Laker game? That actually game might one. get me to applaud him. But we also and we also fucked up by not mentioning the the, the Shannon Sharp effect. <laughs> yeah, you know, where's is, is, is he on the Lakers team playing the Memphis is my I, question. Man, they got to roll him out like a mascot for for uh, game three. Uh, don't take him to Memphis. That's too much. But definitely have him sitting courtside for game. It's three. all about too much. Dave. That would be fun. Let's go. Yeah, let's have fun. The playoffs are here. We're excited. You guys should be excited at home, I hope. Um, I don't know. I'm really pumped. The basketball is its about to get really good. So for Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on The Athletic NBA Show.